Hello, and welcome to Chit and Chat, a podcast all about encouraging others. Who needs encouragement? You? Well, we've got you covered. We reach out to musicians, comedians, and other organizations who are all about encouraging their communities. Help us spread the love by sharing this podcast. And now, here's your host of Chit and Chat, Jody Sheffield. Welcome back to Chit and Chat, a podcast for encouragement. As we are trying, we are trying, I'm trying to share encouragement with you however I can. I reach out to musicians and, and, and different organizations. And today's special guest is David Dusick, the founder of Rough Cut Men. We discuss who David is and what his amazing organization does. He does live events for men all over the world young and old, military, enlisted, and he's been to amazing places. He has a great video series we'll discuss about. So kick back and relax. This is my great friend, the founder of Rough Cut Men, David Dusek. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's my privilege today to have my, my good friend, David Dusek, founder of an amazing men's experience called Rough Cut Men. Good morning, sir. Welcome. Hey, how are you, Jody? I'm good. How's the uh, Florida coastline? Oh, Florida coastline is a nice, bright and sunny, cloudless 87 degrees uh, in February on the 21st. It's awesome. <laughs> Today we have uh, in Washington State, I got a little bit of rain. I saw a little bit of snow. So surprise, surprise, Mother Nature does not like Washington much. <laughs> nope, nope. <laughs> Nope, you can pretty much target the weather at 38 degrees for a high, 34 for a low, and drizzle from now until June. Yeah, I've been here since I got out of the Navy, so it's, yeah, you think I get used to it? I'm not used to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we get going, I got to pick your brain on a few uh, icebreaker questions, if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to give you and your wife two plane tickets anywhere in the world. Where are you going and why? Sydney, Australia. Ooh, because that, that's kind of our second home. Okay. Uh, we've, we've been down there a lot, and our youngest son is uh, in school uh, and on staff at a, a church that you might have heard of called Hillsong in Sydney. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So we uh, and we haven't seen him for two years because of all 2020 and all that jazz. So yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, two tickets. Uh, if you ask my wife, I promise you, she would tell you the exact same thing. I've had experience of being in the Navy. I got to go to or Fremantle, Australia. Uh, nice little town outside. I'm not sure what it, where it was actually, but we were there for the Navy. I, was, I loved it. It was awesome. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a great country. We 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 love it there. It's it really is a second home. So we love going down there and just hanging out. They have the best coffee in the world too. Nice. Uh, if you could be if if you could be great at any Olympic sport, since we just had the Olympics, I didn't watch much of it. But what what sport would you kind of go after? Me, uh, probably the GS uh, downhill skiing. Okay, giant giant slalom. I never had I like skiing. Like like speed, like the control. Well, I'm one of the only Florida natives you'll ever meet that skied through most of my teenage years and into my early twenties. Oh well, so yeah. Uh, of course, the, the older I get, the better I used to be. I'm not sure my knees would would hold up to the beating I used to give them. I think that's probably why I, why I, I creak and crack when I walk up and down stairs now. So. Yeah, I'm not a big runner anymore. I like walking. Got my shins and knees. You're like, dude, you're like 50. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, your body exceeds its useful life. I think. But, I yeah, yeah. Skiing would definitely be my my Olympic sport. If I could give you, uh, if you could have one more person. Add to Mount Rushmore from history. Who would you add to Mount Rushmore? Oh boy, um, I guess I'd have to remember who's on Mount Rushmore first. Uh, you know, if if I could put anybody up there, I would put the Apostle Paul up there. But that okay. people wouldn't even know what he looks like, and we don't know what he looks like, so it would be a 
a wild guy. <laughs> wild guy. <laughs> that guy? But yeah, just because of how his influence on my life, his uh, his life and his Damascus Road moment, kind of mirroring mine. Uh, he's I've got a standing reservation with him when I get to heaven, so I can sit down and really pick his brain. Awesome. So I I think that would be the guy I would put up on Mount Rushmore if I could. Okay. And I, I read in your bio, you're a big Florida Gator diehard fan, what it says, correct? Yep. Yep. I got three Florida questions. We'll see how hard, how diehard you are. Who was the winner yeah. in Florida history? I'll give you options Doug Dickey, Galen Hall, Irvin Meyer, Steve Spurrier. The winningest coach? Yes, sir. I don't know who the, I don't know who the first two were. I'd have to go with Spurrier. You are correct. The old ball coach. Who is the leading passer in Florida history? Options are Greg Grossman, Chris Leak, Shane Matthews, and Denny Warfel. Oh. Give those names to me again. Rex Grossman, Chris Leak, Shane Matthews, Denny Warfel. I actually think it's Grossman. But it yeah. might be Warfel. It's who is it? Chris Leak. Chris Leak, man, I never would have figured him. <laughs> and last one, who is a career leading in Russia? Uh, Neil Anderson, Eric Rett, Emmett Smith, Fred Taylor. Uh, Fred Taylor. Eric Rett. I don't know who he was. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I I know all the names. I mean, if you don't know Emmett Smith, you don't know football, but. Uh, uh, for some reason, I I would I did not have did not have Eric Rett as the guy. You've been to a lot of Florida games or any bowl games. I was actually born on the campus when Steve Spurrier was a quarterback. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, my dad was in law school, and and uh, we had a house about three three doors down from Florida Field, which the swamp. And so, my dad and mom paid their rent just by parking cars in the front grass at home games. They put like. 20 cars in the front yard and they would charge them enough that in the seven, six or seven home games, it would, it would actually pay their rent for the whole year. That's awesome. So, yeah. I'm a, I, I'm gay. I'm, I'm Floridian by birth, Gator by the grace of God. So let's talk about David Dusick and rough cut men for all those who are listening. Who is David Dusick? Well, on a personal on a personal note, I'm a recovering train wreck uh, who met the Lord late in uh, later in life. I'd you know early, very early 30s after uh, a divorce and the loss of my home and marriage and two small children and uh, literally moments after I left my now empty house, uh, I was driving across a bridge and cried out to God, even though I didn't really even acknowledge that he existed. He wasn't invited to my first wedding, nor was he invited to my divorce. And um, he invaded my soul, uh, for want of a better term. I mean, he, I drove down the other side of that bridge to new creation. That's why I resonate with Paul so much, because, you know, kind of got knocked off of my horse. And I was baptized shortly thereafter in the Gulf of Mexico and in ministry uh, several years later, I'm now joyfully remarried uh, 15 years to, uh, I say I married way above my pay grade. Um, <laughs> Joni is, is the love of my life, and uh, we've been in ministry together since we founded Rough Cut Men in 2008. Uh, we have Between the two of us, we have five kids, uh, ranging from 29 down to 24, so we pretty much got almost every year covered between the two. Uh, we have two girls. They're the oldest and three boys. We've got two grandkids. Um, a, a just turned yesterday or today is my grandson Bentley's fourth birthday. And then we've got a granddaughter, uh, Addie, who is, uh, seven. Uh, I'm the, I'm an author. I'm a speaker. I'm uh, a Jesus freak. I'm a strong supporter of soldiers. I work with the U S military worldwide. I also work with the, uh, New Zealand defense force, uh, pretty significantly as well. Uh, I've written two books. Rough Cut Men was the first one uh, that went number one on Amazon in Men's Christian Living back in 2017. Uh, and then my latest book came out in, uh, it'll be a year ago this week, called The Battle, which if you've ever seen the movie We Were Soldiers is mm -hmm. based mm -hmm. on that. Good movie, um, good movie. 
and you know they're available you know to shameless plug but they're all over the place amazon books a million barnes and noble i'm also my real passion is speaking uh, i love being in front of a group of guys whether it be 20 or 20,000 uh, and i have a laser focused mission and that's really to i use i use hollywood action movies as parables so to speak uh little clips i uh, I know there's a lot of churches out there that are doing what they call at the movies now. And I often joke that we were at the movies before it was cool. And I, I, I use them as parables with a laser focused mission of getting men to talk about what is really going on in their lives. Um, not just telling people what they want to hear. You know, we can all play the church game really, really well. Um, but every guy you meet and shake hands with in the church uh, of the hundreds of acquaintances uh, while we have no real friends, we we can say everything is perfect when, in fact, won't meet a single man uh, in your travels on any given day, whether you're military or uh, in the church or at work or just walking through Safeway uh, that has it all together. There's uh, there's invariably some battle that's going on in the hearts and minds and lives of every man you meet, mm-hmm. and I truly believe that there are only three places any one man can be. You're either going into a battle coming out of a battle uh, or you're right in the middle of it. And uh, I believe that when God brings us through things, whether it be divorce, bankruptcy, loss of a child, I mean, some of the horrible things that that we go through as dads and husbands and men, um, if we've got two choices, we can either give it away to other people or we can die with it. Uh, And I think that it's really bad stewardship. If we don't share how God got us through a battle, because if we talk about how about them Florida Gators all the time, but we never talk about what God's brought us through, we may miss an opportunity to help a man who's sitting right next to us in the middle of the exact same battle that God just brought us out of. He'll never know because we're, we're so um, closed lipped and tight to the vest about what God's gotten us through mm-hmm. because we don't want men to know that we've struggled or that we've had a battle And I'm telling you, if you just get transparent and real with the guys in, say, a small group, you may actually help the guy sitting right next to you who thinks you've got it all together, help him get through a battle that he's in the middle of that is exactly the same thing that God just got you through. And that's really the whole purpose of what we do as a ministry is we help churches engage men uh, below the inch deep and a mile wide that we like to hang out. It's like a big old iceberg uh, analogy. You see part of it in the water and – most of it's in the water. It's depression, yep. struggles, anxiety, da 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 da. Yeah, and, and yeah. Well, only... Twenty percent above. Twenty percent above the water line. Eighty percent below. Yep, most yep. of the time. That's 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 the way life is. And if we don't if we don't show men that there's an eighty percent underneath the water line, um, then we get what we get, which is a bunch of guys that are, uh, myself included, that are really good at at faking our way through life, you know, fist bumping, high fiving, giving that, you know, head nod universal man greeting at, at church. And, you know, so you good. Yeah, I'm solid. How are you? Oh, I'm solid too. And that's just a bald faced lie. <laughs> uh, but the issue is that unlike, you know, we're not women, uh, uh, women are very, very inherently good at meeting some random stranger mom at a, at a school function or in a small group. And they'll go from a handshake and a name introduction to their deepest, most painful moments that they're in, in like 30 minutes and two donuts. Mm -hmm. Uh, We require a lot more energy. Uh, I have a kind of an algorithm that I created. I say time develops trust. If I don't spend time with you, I'll never trust you. And if there's no trust, trust builds relationship. So if I don't have any trust, there'll never be a relationship. And then if you want to take it to the next level, Without relationship, you can never have discipleship. So time develops trust. Trust creates a relationship. Relationship opens the door to discipleship. So we have to put in a time face-to-face, nose-to-nose with other dudes before we'll get to a point where we can actually say, hey, I think my wife hates me. We'll go from, you know, talking about the Super Bowl, but we'll glance right over our, our biggest struggles because, hey, we don't know the guy. We don't like him. We don't necessarily trust him because we've never done anything together other than Saturday morning, burnt pancakes, two testimonies and a prayer once a month. That is not, that's not how you build a relationship. You've got to do the time. If you think about your wife, you didn't take her out, you know, the first Saturday of every month for one hour for pancakes. 
and then drop her off and say, I'll tell you what, I'll pick you up on the first and next uh, first Saturday of next month, and we'll go out for an hour and have pancakes again. That woman never would have married you. Right? Yeah. I mean, and when I met Joni, my wife, I couldn't get enough of the woman. I, I would drive seven hours just to spend 30 minutes with her. I actually did that once. So, <laughs> you know, that's, I mean, that's, that's how we spend time together. We get to a point where there's a relationship there. There's trust there. We want to bring them into our circle because Solomon, the wisest man in the world said that we should pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. And we're as men, you know, in the culture, we are really good at isolating ourselves deliberately because we don't want to let anybody in. And that's why Solomon used a word, uh, a word as harsh as pity that there's actually, you know, we should feel really bad for guys that are traveling through life alone. Mm -hmm. Uh, When God tugged on David Dusek's heart and, and kind of, kind of give you a vision for rough cut, uh, how did that originate? How did that kind of come about? Well, it came about in a really weird way, Jody. I mean, it was, um, I was doing leadership training, a four hour module, uh, that was kind of a, a, a condensed version of what man in the mirror used to call the national training center is now called no man left behind. And I was out traveling Florida with this curriculum that Pat Morley had, had blessed me with. And I was going, uh, I would send out these email blasts to a hundred mile radius of, of any particular city in Florida, Miami, Tampa, Orlando, up into the panhandle, Jacksonville, then into Southern Georgia and Southern Alabama. And I would just train leaders on this module and I'll never forget it, man. I was in, in, uh, Panama City, which is up in the panhandle of Florida, and I had a giant United Methodist Church group from all over the place, and this guy from Dothan, Alabama, which is just across the Florida border, came over to me and he said, hey, man, I, I love your transparency. I would, would you speak at our, uh, our men's retreat, our men's advance, or whatever he called our men's event that we have coming up you know, later in the year? And we were new into ministry, and he said, you know, they'd pay me, and that was all I needed. And so <laughs> I'm like, great, they're gonna, I get, I'm going to get paid for this, so I'm, I'm going to do it. Well, here's the deal. I had seven and a half, almost eight hours of windshield time driving home to realize that I had just committed to speaking an entire weekend when all I had was a four-hour curriculum that someone else wrote. So when I got home, I, I told Joni, I said, you know, these guys – I'm going to go do this retreat, but I don't know what I, I'm not a promise keepers guy, which is funny because now I, I am and have (laughs) keynoted promise keepers in New Zealand. But um, I said, I don't know what I'm supposed to talk about. And throughout our time uh, as with five kids, you don't go out to the movies because you know, it costs you 80 bucks to go to McDonald's. So we, we rented a lot of movies. So I would find little visual illustrations in a, in a movie that you wouldn't really find a Christian principle in, and I would write it down. And it started when my wife saw the Incredibles and pointed a particular scene out and said, every man needs to hear that. And so I had written down about 13 or 14 really cool movie clips. And she said, why don't you use the movie clips uh, to speak on? And so I, this, this will tell you how old it is. I had, I went to Blockbuster (laughs) and I, and, and I rented all the DVDs and I went to a buddy's house who was a TV producer uh, for Fox. He was doing um, fishing shows for Fox Sports. And we, took, and we took each clip and we ripped it and we sanitized it for language. Uh, and then, you know, we edited it, obviously, to make it fit. We burned them all onto a master DVD. And I took off several weeks later up to Dothan, Alabama, to lead the first ever, uh, at this point, no-name movie event, because it had no name yet. <laughs> and, and I'm, I, Jody, I made everything up in the middle of each of the clips. I just, just kind of freewheeled it uh, as I went through. And that was really the Genesis moment of what has become the rough cut men movie experience, which has been presented to over a million men around the world in the U S army and at every major denomination around the country, Australia, New Zealand, Germany, Korea. So we've been all over the place bringing this content. Uh, it had no name until the third event, and my wife said, you know, you've now done this three times. You probably ought to call it something. And I said, well, what in the world do I call it? And she said, well, I'll just Google movie terminology. And she found the words rough cut, which is, the, <laughs> which is actually in, the, in, in cinematography. It's the first raw, unedited 
version of a movie. So it doesn't have any sound effects. Uh, it hasn't been edited. It doesn't have any Foley. Those are the, you know, the, the enhanced sound effects that they put in. Uh, it had nothing had yet hit the cutting floor. And she said, you know, this is kind of like what the Bible says in Philippians 1, 6, that we're confident that he's going to carry on the work that he's begun in us to completion in Christ Jesus. Uh, she said, every man is kind of a rough cut version of who they're ultimately going to be. When you look at me now, you see the rough cut of who I will ultimately be when I'm sanctified and in the throne room of Jesus. But for now, uh, I'm a work in progress. And so that's how the name came about. And it stuck. That's awesome. That's my next question, actually, too. So you covered both. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's 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 how it, that's and my and honestly, my wife named it. Uh, I did not. She came up with the name. Uh, she helped design our our logo. She has been integral in literally every component. She truly is uh, my my wingman, so to speak, in this ministry. She's very creative. I'm very analytical, so I can handle the business of ministry. But she's the one that comes up with these these crazy artsy ideas, logos, names. Uh, we even have shirts now on our website and they've got our, our military logo on the front, which is called who has your six. And on the back is our slogan. It's at the top of our website too, which says God wants his men back. And the reason we have that everywhere is every time I go to the airport, uh, my wife reminds me, she says, remember, you know, you're going to wherever you're going because God wants his men back. And that became our catchphrase, I guess. So she came up with that too. That's awesome. I, I, I remember seeing that your very first YouTube video, you're on a couch with a cup of coffee and you share, we're showing exactly that, you know, where are the men? And, uh, and I'm like, yeah. that just hit me to the core. I'm like, dude, this is, this is, and I think about a month or a year later, I think, uh, I'd be connected and they did an event at our church a while back. Yeah. And so I'm like, yeah. This is, this is, I like the concept. I love the idea. Movies and men, yes. <laughs> but it's so funny because I, I, I would redo that and do it completely differently now. If, you know, obviously with the advancements in tech, we had to go to a TV studio to film that because I think we did that in 2009 was the original yep, yep. cut date on that. I'd never been in front of a camera. I was mortified. I did my best. <laughs> um, but then we stepped it up when we did what, what, we have a video series now that, that I can tell you about later, but we, yeah. you know, we brought, we brought a whole production crew in for that, but I just had the same guy that did that ripped my DVD was the one who filmed that, that chair. We brought that chair from our house and I just <laughs> sat in it and made everything up as we were going along. Uh, and I honestly, Jody, I forgot we even had that one circulating out there. Oh, it's yep. it's been there. that I long. I, I watched it a few days ago. Going, this is where I kind of got connected with, with you so i'm like that's that kind of resonates with me with me quite a bit i do have your video series and some questions coming up so we'll discuss that um is there a difference between your vision and your mission with rough cut men is it the same or is it two different things well they're they're uh, kind of both i mean honestly the the i kind of gave you the the vision is is really to, to, to help the church engage men at a gut level. Yep. Um, our, our, the goal of our vision is to take the onus of responsibility of connecting men off of the church so that you don't have to keep spending all that money trying to rally men for a breakfast or a men's retreat or whatever. Uh, because, you know, I, what I say is I, cr I create a need that most men don't even know that they have until they have that aha moment. Um, and then we equip them to fulfill that that need themselves by organically connecting. I always say it doesn't. It's not who we're with. It's not what we're doing. It's who we're with. So the next time you go out fishing, shooting, playing golf, whatever, just take somebody with you. Because if time truly develops trust and trust creates relationship, maybe the first time you're out fishing, you stick to football and how many kids you have and and those kind of topics. But as you do it repeatedly, you tend to drive deeper and deeper and deeper uh, to start talking about real game changers like prodigal children. I have one of those who I've struggled with for a long time. Now, the mission is really the same thing. The mission is to, is to help churches. So uh, to, our vision and our mission are really very closely aligned, and okay. I think that's all God. You know, when a vision is supposed to be this grand thing that you have, long term and the mission is how you're going to get there 
but because God has ordered our steps so well and given us such incredible favor and open doors in places that we really shouldn't, I've had more, I shouldn't be here moments with a microphone in my hand than I can count because, <laughs> you know, he's taken this exceedingly abundantly beyond anything we can ask or imagine vision and made it the mission and then accomplished the mission, whether I'm in it or not. He, he's clearly proven that he'll do whatever he's going to do with or without me. And the fact that he uses me and all of my, and, and all the stupid that goes along with it is a real encouragement too. So yeah, the vision and mission are real, really closely aligned. I was watching some of your videos the last few days and you mentioned about doing a morning reset. Can you explain that a little bit? Well, the morning, I mean, the morning reset is, it comes out of scripture where the Bible says his mercies are, are new every morning. And, uh, we can choose how we get up. You know, we can carry last night or last week or yesterday or the day before into our morning, and it really sets the tone for how we're going to be. We also have the ability as the spiritual leader in our home to set the tone for the whole house. So you've got to wake up in the morning and sit down, spend time in the Word, let God speak to you through His written Word, through your prayer time, through quiet meditation, and say, all right, I'm, you know, lock and load, man. We're, we're good to go. What happened yesterday no longer matters. And, and that's really the, the idea of the reset is just to start, to start over. Okay. Um, and forgetting what is behind, press on towards the goal, which is heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul was very clear. He's like, dude, you're a believer in Christ. You don't have any rearview mirrors on the car. It don't matter what happened yesterday. Uh, just The road's in front of you. The windshield is huge. Keep moving that direction regardless of how yesterday or last year or, or 10 years ago went. Mm-hmm. In today's world, there's so much negativity, and I started this podcast to bring encouragement to anyone I could. And I based it off First Thessalonians 5.11, which says, encourage one another and lift each other up. And I truly believe that Rough Cut Men is, is helping men be more accountable. What does real accountability look like? Well, real, you know, the word accountability, you, know, you mentioned that around anybody that's been in the church for longer than a year or two, and they freak out because the first thing that happens is it kind of conjures up all these nightmarish visions of dudes scrolling through your Internet history. And uh, I, think, I think it's gotten a bad rap. I think a lot of guys have had... Uh, really bad experiences in the world of accountability where uh, they've get, they've been, they've been rebuked. They've been reproached. They've been browbeaten. Uh, we, Lord knows we don't need anybody else in our lives to make us feel any more like a failure than we can feel on our own. Cause I can do a really good job of defeating myself without your help. <laughs> you know, I don't need any more, <laughs> but that's not really what accountability is. Accountability is, is a, is the idea of extending permission to another man, uh, and it's reciprocal. Uh, you cannot have someone, there's a reason why it's called accountability partners. Uh, it's not an accountability you know, tyrant or an accountability dictator, or I've got this accountability guy who anytime I screw up, he beats me up about it. Um, it's reciprocal. So you have permission, he has permission. You're speaking into each other's lives. And anytime your words or actions no longer line up with who you say you are in Christ, then that other guy has permission to call you out on it and say, Hey man, are you, are you sure? Are you sure you wanted to say that to your wife? Are you sure you meant to post that on Facebook? Are you sure you meant to comment like that on Instagram? I mean, and and they're watching because their whole mission is to keep us as closely aligned with the character of Christ as they can. Now, the other thing that accountability has become is a, is a don't do this, don't do that festival. Where it's like, you know, hey, don't do this, don't do that, don't watch this, don't think about that, don't look at that. And it's become like uh, the connotation has become negative. Mm-hmm. But really, if you've been in the church for a while, you know that, you know, the 80-20 rule applies. And, uh, you know, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And I'm one of those guys where, you know, if you need me to play drums, I can do that because I'm a drummer and I'll be happy to fill in. And if I fill in, suddenly I'll be signed up for the next eight years. And um <laughs> You know, do you, oh, you need somebody to chaperone this youth trip. Sure, I'll do that. You know, and, and no is almost a four-letter word in the church. When someone asks you to do something, yep. you just say, oh, yeah, sure, regardless of what that does to your schedule. And what, what it's, it's possible, just as possible as it is to get caught up in a negative cycle of uh, watching or viewing or ingesting uh, spiritually things that 
aren't really all that spiritually healthy for us, it's just as easy to go the opposite way and get caught up doing a lot of really good things, but at what cost? Um, if you're spending all your time leading Bible studies and serving at the church, but you're neglecting your wife and kids, then you need that component of accountability. Accountability is about balance. Our number one ministry is the one that God gave us at home. And if your ministry at home is no good, then your ministry to other people won't be any good either. So until we focus on that, the one under our roof, our wives, our kids, our grandkids, that is our number one ministry. And if we end up sacrificing that to do something that even could be perceived as good, like serving in the church in some form or another, then we're out of balance. And that's where the accountability partner comes in and says, hey, dude, I saw you. You're leading eight Bible studies, but I have not seen a date night picture on social media. Or, I ha you know, I, when I have, my accountability partner can access, you know, bank account, stuff like that, and see whether or not the tithing is happening, whether the date nights are calculated into the budget, all those things. And if they're not, then his job is to make sure that I, I'm lined up with who I say I am in Christ, whether it be good or bad. Mm -hmm. And he'll say, hey, you know, you need, to be, you need to be investing in your marriage a little bit more. You're traveling too much. Or what's your number? I, know I travel about 100, 120 days a year. What is your, what's your max out number of days you're going to be away from home because if I could conceivably stay busy 365 days a year. Uh, and his job is to say, hey, you know, what's your cut date? You know, what's, what, when are you home and when are you on the road? Because you need to have the lion's share of your time at home and because it's just ministry. This ministry is just a job. But your, your marriage is your number one ministry. Yep. And that's. That's kind of what real accountability looks like. It's all about balance. It's making sure that we that we have everything lined up with who we say we are, whether it be good or bad. Um, and we have we've we've it's almost a marital covenant, Jody, where you say, "Look, I'm giving you permission to call me out, and I trust you implicitly, and I know you won't broadcast it across social media or write a book about it." There's confidence. I know that uh, whatever I say to him, whatever he says to me, will stay amongst us. And really the, the litmus test of that, I think, to know that we had truly arrived is when I, I think I've lost count of how many times we've started a conversation with the phrase, you know, I've never told anybody this before, but, and then kind of fill in the blank after that. If you can start a conversation with, man, I've never told anybody this before, but then you have, you have now gotten to the ultimate pinnacle of confidence where they trust you enough to tell you things they would never share with anybody else. And they know without a shadow of a doubt that it will stay with you and their best interest is also yours. Yeah. I, I, I kind of drew, drew me a seesaw to remind me uh, of balancing my life and responsibilities and family and, and Christ. So I just, I kind of just drew a, a seesaw for myself. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you also have a video series out, and this video series, I think, is something that's never, that's never been done before. You went to some amazing locations. Can you tell us about that a little bit? <laughs> um, I, you know, I've seen a lot of stuff. Uh, in, in, I mean, I've been in ministry to men for, you know, almost 20 years, and so I've seen it all, done it all, probably read it all. Uh, you know, people tend to send me books for endorsements here and there, so I get to read stuff that's not even officially released yet. Um, and, you know, we got enough men's resources out there until Jesus comes back. And there, there's, uh, in terms of the, uh, the live event, um, I made a covenant with myself long ago that I wouldn't be something that I wouldn't sit through and listen to myself. And um, I've been to enough men's events where I've actually left feeling worse than when I got there about <laughs> who I am, that I said, you know, I am not going to do that. Um, I, I want like, you know, your whole tagline with First Thessalonians 5.11 is, I mean, the, the goal is uh, let's encourage each other. Hebrews 10, 25 and 26, uh, let's not give up meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. So, I mean, the goal is to help equip men in a live event. Well, I started doing a lot of it with the military. And the reason why, the um, specifically the Army, and I've spoken at West Point and uh, essentially any unit you could come up with, uh, 101st Airborne, 1st Cavalry Division, Special Forces groups all over the world. Um, I, was at the, I, was, I was at Fort Campbell 
about to talk to the 101st Airborne Division uh, a number of years ago, and uh, we're called Rough Cut Men, and the JAG Corps, the Judge Advocate General, had a problem with that. So they came in mere moments before the event was to start telling me that we couldn't call it Rough Cut Men because it was gender-specific. And so right there, spur of the moment, we changed the name to Who Has Your Six, which is in military vernacular, who's watching your six o'clock? Who's got your back? It's accountability. It's brotherhood. Um, and so that's, that's how the name came about. And then we really wanted to, I wanted to be in more than one place at a time. So we thought, okay, what we'll do is we'll create a video series for the U.S. Army Chaplain Corps called Who Has Your Six using the movie clips that we use in the live content so that a chaplain can get five or 10 or 15 guys together and they can sit around in his office and, and watch an episode of a video with me covering the same content that I would do live so I can be in more than one place at a time. But I, I had this vision, this dream of uh, creating something that had never been done before. And I did not want the video series to be me with a microphone talking to a live audience and then flashing over to a movie clip and then coming back to my ugly mug on the screen again for another 30 minutes. So I decided if we were going to do this thing, I wanted to do it uh, on location. So we first had to raise the funds to do it. So we raised a quarter million dollars to shoot this project wow. without even, without, with nothing more than an idea. I mean, I cast this vision to foundations and individuals and corporations and we raised a quarter million dollars and suddenly we had the money that we needed and I didn't have a producer and we originally went after uh, the producer who uh, does a lot of work with pentatonics, uh, pen uh, the, the acapella vocal group that's wildly popular. And we, we, we liked some of the, the videos that this particular production company had done. So we reached out to them. They're actually in the Pacific Northwest in Portland. And um, we weren't equally yoked. You know, I mean, they're great in production, but they aren't believers. So, you know, it's like if we're going to be doing this thing and the budget was astronomically high and we just didn't feel any peace about it. So we reached out to a buddy at our church and then we, he knew someone who knew someone and we met this young up and coming production guy and he was our guy. And so I painted the vision of what we wanted to do and he didn't believe one word of it. <laughs> he didn't think there was any possibility we were going to be able to do what I had, I had come up with in my head, which was to go on location. So we use, for example, um, the We Were Soldiers episode, which is episode one, we filmed entirely at Fort Benning on the paratrooper jump field in the National Infantry Museum in front of the reduced scale wall of Vietnam Wall that they have at the National Infantry Museum. Filmed a little bit at Officers, uh, Officers Row at Fort Benning because that's where most of that movie took place. Uh, Forrest Gump, <clears throat> excuse me, Forrest Gump, we filmed on the deck of a shrimp boat in Biola Battery, Alabama which is where Bubba was from. Uh, we filmed, and then we filmed a little bit of it in Savannah, Georgia as well, which is the park bench that isn't really there, uh, but the same town square where Forrest is sitting on the bench telling the story of his whole life. Mm -hmm. uh, we filmed Top Gun on the deck of an aircraft carrier and in the, on the bridge of the Yorktown in Charleston Harbor and in the cockpit of an F-14 Tomcat, obviously because it's Top Gun. Uh, Facing the Giants, we filmed in the end zone of Sherwood Christian Academy in Albany, Georgia. The death crawl scene is one of my favorite movie scenes of any movie ever made. Uh, Rudy, we filmed in the game day locker room in Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana. And at his home, uh, the, the, the theatrical home that they used, and all over the campus. So I was on the field. I was in the tunnel. I got to actually hit the sign that says, play like a champion today. Yep. Uh, as I walked down. And I walked down the tunnel towards the field, stood on the big ND in the middle of the, of the football field. Um, and then we filmed Armageddon was all filmed. Uh, we filmed it in two locations. We filmed uh, on the floor of mission control at Johnson space center. And then we filmed part of it in the vehicle assembly building at Cape Canaveral and also out on pad launch pad 39 a, which is where Apollo 11, uh, Apollo 13, the challenger, all of the major launches go off of, uh, of pad 29a and then uh johnny cash we filmed in uh partly in sun studio in memphis tennessee where he recorded his first ever music which was a cool experience because 
I got to sit on the same bar stool that Johnny Cash is sitting on on the cover of his Man in Black album. Uh, I was leaning against Jerry Lee Lewis's piano, and I was using Elvis's microphone. So it was really, it was really a, it was a total god thing, you know, that I was using all these really cool things. And and then we filmed uh, the second half of the video at his, uh, at his boyhood home in Dias, Arkansas. And then uh, the the culmination of the whole series, really, it's episode seven uh, of an eight part series, was Saving Private Ryan. And there's no other place to film. A Saving Private Ryan clip. You know, we could have filmed in a national cemetery somewhere, but we wanted to film in Omaha Beach, so we flew to France wow. with the production crew, and we filmed uh, the opening segment before the clip. On I was standing on top of a Nazi uh, machine gun position on Omaha Beach, and then we come back after the clip, and I'm standing kind of in the same spot that old man Ryan is standing in, uh, at the end, at both the beginning and the end of the movie Saving Private Ryan in the American Cemetery at Omaha Beach. So it, uh, and we've got hundreds of groups uh, all over the world that use it, English-speaking countries from, uh, we've got South Africa, the U.K., all over the U.S., uh, military installations all over the world. It's been, uh, God really gave us favor to, to film in places we shouldn't have filmed, uh, and we we created this, the, the, God basically took my this dream that I had and made it a reality. And then, in, in, ironically, in November of 2019, we retrofit our roughcutmen.org ministry website to house the videos to make them available to church small groups, not just the military anymore. Okay. So we now have them available for the church world. Uh, and we did that right before... Um, COVID hit in March of 2020. So once COVID hit in March of 2020 and everybody was kind of virtual, the video series really took off because men's small groups were still meeting. Although they were meeting by zoom, we create, we, we set it up. So there was a way you could actually integrate the series and show them via zoom. Of all those locations that you filmed at in this series, which one would you like? Wow. I am at blank. You're just kind of a kid in the candy store. You're like, I can't believe I'm here. Well, you know, it's a toss up. Um, (laughs) When we were able to, we were told we weren't supposed to film anything at Notre Dame that had their logo or the little Irish dude or any of that. Um, And then the athletic director that we met completely changed his tune and started showing us places that he told us flat out we shouldn't shoot and said, you got to shoot here. So they set me they set me up right in the middle of the game day locker room. So I'm sitting in the middle of Daniel Rudiger's dream. If you've seen the movie Rudy, yep, oh yeah. So I think hitting hitting the play like a champion sign was pretty cool because I'm a a ferocious college football fan. So that was that was pretty euphoric. I would say that standing on pad 39A, where no where you're not supposed to be. I mean, we had security clearance. So we were able to go out in places that tour buses have to stop a half a mile away from. We were actually able to, to stand there. But I think probably the, the one that was the most moving was, uh, you know, driving two and a half hours from Paris to Cobles-Samer, France, which is really the closest little town to Omaha and Utah Beach, um, parking in the parking lot at the American Cemetery which you can't see it. All you see is a memorial building and, and sidewalks. Uh, I think walking around the corner and seeing this perfectly maintained six and a half acre field with 9,387 tombstones all in white, uh, a couple hundred meters above Omaha beach mm. was a moment that, um, I really, I, we had to stop filming multiple times cause I started crying. I mean, that's, that was how impactful it was to be standing amongst nearly 10,000 heroes. Uh, and then to be able to salute as I left that field, as I walked back to the rental car, uh, standing there basically at full attention, dressed like a tourist, um, was such a powerful moment to salute those, those heroes as I walked off the field. It was a, it, it was an amazing moment, uh, during the, during the filming. Wow. You've been all over the world speaking to all walks of, of, of young men, young and old. If I told the David Dusek 30 years ago that God would be using you, flying you all over the world, sharing with men of all ages, 
helping men relationships, strengthen marriages, helping break addictions to pornography. What would you say? I would have laughed at you. I mean, I would have said, you got to be out of your mind. You know, I, <laughs> I, I, I was the reason why I resonate so much with Paul uh, is because, you know, if you'll remember the, the prior life of Saul of Tarsus, he was, he was the number one Christian killer, man. He was standing there when, when the first ever martyr for our faith, Stephen, was stoned to death. He stood there nodding in approval as they laid his clothes, as they laid their, uh, Stephen's clothes at his feet. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he was not only cheering them on, he was also probably throwing rocks himself in certain circumstances. And he was even on his way to Damascus when he was blinded by Jesus on his way to take out anybody that was a follower of the way, you know, the, the followers of Jesus. So I was a, a, a staunch Big Bang uh, proponent. I was so anti-God and anti-Jesus um, that I actually fired people as a, as a manager many years ago. I didn't fire them. I made their life a living hell so that they would quit because I did not want Christians in my office. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would be 1995. So, I mean, you're, you're right about 30 years backwards. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and up until the time that I lost everything, I don't think I would have, uh, I would have thought anything of it. As a matter of fact, I mean, 2002, I was at a promise keepers event, uh, in Orlando, you know, one of those, you know, with 35,000 of your closest friends, it was the first one I'd ever been to. I was up in the nosebleed seats. It was just amazing. And I'm like, wow, this is the coolest thing I've ever been to. And I remember hearing this kind of still small voice of God say, you know, look down at the platform. And I can't remember offhand who was speaking. I think it was Glenn Wagner, who's one of my personal heroes. Um, He was delivering the message to this, you know, 40,000 dudes in Orlando. And God said, you're going to do this someday. And I remember laughing, just like Sarah laughed when God said, you're going to have a kid when you're 100. Uh, I just, I'm like, I don't know anything about the Bible. I'm terrified of public speaking. Uh, I don't like microphones. I used to run away anytime anybody had a microphone because I would turn sheet white and start sweating and want to pass out. <laughs> so I'm like, clearly you got the wrong seat. Maybe you need to be talking to the guy two seats over because I ain't the one. You, you know, you dialed the wrong number. And I will, I will, I will, I will never forget, man. I was in Wellington, New Zealand, in 2017, uh, September 2017, right after uh, while Irma was coming through my neighborhood, hurricane. Mm-hmm. I was in New Zealand with my wife, and I had a Promise Keepers button-down shirt on. I was wired up with a with a microphone, and I was about ready to take the platform at Promise Keepers New Zealand to do the Friday night kickoff message that I had heard God say, you're going to do that someday. And as I took my first step up onto the platform, I heard that still small voice again of God saying, you see, (laughs) I told, I told you. And it it took, you know, it took 14 years from when I, or 15 years from when I quote unquote heard that to when I actually saw that brought to fruition. So I guess as by way of encouragement uh, to the guys that are listening um, our timeline isn't God's, and we may think that, you know, it's like, great, this is, my problems are going to be over soon. Well, soon is relative. Yep. <laughs> you know? And yep. so my you're going to do that someday was 15 years. Um, that was the same amount of time that Paul waited before he actually got a chance to meet Peter, one of his, I mean, he wanted to meet the, the super apostle Peter, but he had to go through a whole lot of preparation to get there before God orchestrated a time when Paul could actually meet Peter and the other disciples, because before that they would have run away from him because he was the number one Christian killer. And just because he had a new heart, they didn't know that. And it's kind of the same thing. I think I had a lot of, a lot of preparation before I was ready for that moment. Uh, but that was surreal. And I mean, so I doesn't even have to be 30 years ago. I laughed in 2003 and I was a believer by then, you know, or 2002 at a promise keepers. I was a, I was a Christian, but I still didn't believe it. And you're helping men rewrite their story, their legacy, and helping rebuild relationships. Can you share a story or two about someone who might have come across you that, David, thank you, you saved my life, you saved my marriage uh, from a book or a video series, something like that? 
Well, you know, honestly, Jody, I get I get emails and Facebook messages all the time uh, from those those exact words. In a lot of cases, I get the occasional, you know, I hate you, you're ugly, and you're bald, and that's okay. Uh, I'm not for everybody, but I also get a lot of um, perfect example. I was just in Georgia uh, towards the end of last year. It was November, middle of November last year, and um, I was speaking at a church outside of Atlanta. And apparently there was a guy there that had um, seen, seen the date on my website or on social media. Uh, wasn't part of the church that brought me in, but he drove down, you know, three and a half hours from wherever he lived up in South Carolina to come to this event. And I didn't know it, but, you know, in my event, there are strategic breakout sessions every, every session. So he was sitting with these three other guys from the church that invited me from Atlanta and they didn't know him, but he kind of plugged in with them. And um, come to find out, after the event, I don't, you know, I'm not in the small group, so I don't know what's going on until after the event. If anybody wants to give me a debrief, and uh, the guys, the three guys from the from the church that invited me up said, "Did you see the guy that was sitting with us?" I said, "Yeah, but I don't know any of you, so I don't know where he's from." And they told me the backstory that he had driven down for two and a half, you know, two and a half, three hours to get there. Well, as their small group discussions were going, we got to the reconciliation part, which is really the last session of the event. And this guy had to leave, and he said, I, I, have, to, I, I have to go. And it turned out that he was living out of his car and that his marriage was completely over, and it was all his fault, and he knew it was all his fault, but he was too prideful to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And so I guess what he did, I never had a chance to meet the man because – before I was even done closing out the event, he got in his car and drove all the way back to his hometown to apologize to his wife and own 100% of what – he owned 100% of his 50% of their marriage. Let's put it that way. And he said, okay, I, I own this. And I just found out several weeks ago in a, in a message from those guys, it's been you know mid-November, so it's been three, four months, um, that his marriage has never been better. He's back in the house. And um, – Wow. It's all because he drove down to the event and got right. connected to three other men who he's still connected with, even though they live three hours apart. They they meet virtually, and he'll drive down and go play golf with them and everything. So it's really yeah. those amazing. are the kind those are the kind of things that get me to live to fight another day, Jody. Amen. I mean, when Amen. I hear all I need is one of those, and I'll keep going. And, and my, you know, my goal for this podcast is really, if I encourage somebody somewhere to to you know reach out to someone like yourself or last week. Uh, Last week I had a, a gal on her. Her son passed away. Bereavement group. So if I encourage somebody somehow, that's all it's about. One person, to me, is is make, can make a huge impact and a huge difference. Exactly. Uh, could you share? I know it's been a little bit, and we're almost wrapped up. Uh, can you share some encouragement with someone out there who is struggling, who's lost, who's broken, who believes there's nowhere else to turn? I absolutely can because I've probably been right where anybody listening is. Um, Number one, after every winter, there's a spring. Even though it looks bleak and icy and gray and awful, there is going to be a time that the leaves start to pop out on the trees again and the flowers are going to bloom. Everything is a season, and this season will come to an end. So don't give up in the middle of winter when your spring is coming, because I promise you, in spite of how bad it looks, it is going to get better. Mm-hmm. Get somebody around you. Do not hold this stuff in yourself. You've got to, to talk to somebody about what you're in the middle of as well. For you parents out there, the prodigal kids will come home. <laughs> it, it's, it's really hard. And I, 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 I still parachute in and out of, prodigalism with one of my kids but there was a moment when god restored my relationship with my my oldest son there was a point when i had to fly to uh, portland oregon where my parents live to apologize to my dad after i was convicted that our relational meltdown was really truly my fault so i'll tell you as an encouragement and it's going to be hard to hear do an inventory of the broken relationships that you have right now make that call Go visit whoever you need to go visit. Time is short. Our days are like vapor, man. We don't know when God's going to bring us home. The last thing we want to do is, is get called home while someone still thinks 
that there's a break in that relationship. If we are who we say we are, which is believers in Christ, we need to have zero tolerance for broken relationships and make every effort to reconcile, whether it means extending forgiveness to somebody who wronged us or seeking forgiveness so that we can see God restore that relationship. So none of these things are out of the realm. He can do nothing is out of the realm of Jesus. God, with, all, with, with God, all things are possible. Amen. But sometimes, Amen. sometimes we've got to make that first move. But I promise you, it will get better. It will get better. But we have to, men, we've got to do the work. If there's a problem at home, find out what it is. I learned that there was a lot of issues at home that I didn't even know we had once I, once I was stuck at home in 2020. I couldn't just jet off to the airport and come back home and have everything sort of okay again. I had to confront the fact that there were some things that I was not doing well. And I could have told you my marriage is great internally thinking, well, maybe it's not great, but I thought it must have been her fault because I was doing my 100%. So let God really climb into you and, and get into the darkest corners because a lot of times the miracle we're waiting on, we have to make the first move. God did not part the Red Sea for Moses until he took that staff and put it in the water. Yep. If he just stood there waiting for God to move, they never would have gone anywhere, and they all would have been killed by the Egyptians. He had to put that staff in the water to see that water split. So do the work, but be of good faith because it ain't over yet. And, and until God says it's over. Uh, rough cut men. Go ahead, sorry. Be encouraged. Uh, roughcutmen.org is your website. You get you have shirts, challenge coins, video series. Uh, I'm sure your schedule's on there as well, correct? Yep. Yeah, my and I try to keep the schedule real time. So as we get bookings, um, I put I try to put them right on. So if people are building, uh, looking for available dates to have me come and speak, they're right they're right there usually. I don't put my personal calendar on there because frankly that's none of your business. Um, <laughs> but. but uh, I'll be happy to work things out with you. Um, everything is there, including you go. If you go to the uh, men's event tab, you'll find costs and what it looks like. Uh, we have two completely different events now. We don't just have the movie experience. We also have an event called the Battle, which is based on my new book. So we have two completely different uh, two-day events or full-day events if you want to do them in, on a Saturday. Both of my books are also available if you want signed copies. They're in the shop. On the website, the video series has a video series drop-down. The video series, you cannot buy it. It is a streaming series because we have all the original movie clips embedded in the content, and I can't, I can't rip it to a DVD, Jody, and hand it to you because <laughs> then I'm actually, you know that little warning that comes at the beginning of every movie? Yep. I'm, violating, yep. I'm violating that warning, I and then I'm, you know, FBI is going to be kicking my door now. So, what? <laughs> This is it's it's donation based, so you go in. It tells you what the minimum donation is. You get it for ten weeks, but that's a suggestion. Uh, it's eight weeks long. I give you an extra two weeks for holidays. But if you need longer, just let me know. I mean, if guys want to do it once a month instead of once a week, I got guys that have a ten month subscription because they're only meeting once a month. It's like I we're a ministry first, and you know we are not going to have men miss the message over money. Uh, God has provided through a season when he shouldn't have. We made it through 2020 with no speaking engagements at all. And wow. that's where 90% of our income comes from. So we're never, we, God is our provider. So if it's something that you want to do and it's cost preclusive, just click on, you know, go to the contact page, send me an email and we'll work it out. Uh, because I, I want men to get this content in their hands. If you can't afford to buy a book, I've given more of them away, I think, than I've sold them. So just, <laughs> and if I didn't, my wife, my wife would have my butt. She, she, she would give away our house if she could. So, so uh, they, don't don't worry about that. You can find everything out at roughcutmen.org. If you want audiobook or digital, you can find both of my books on Amazon, Books a Million, uh, anywhere you buy books, you'll find both audio and digital, and iBook has it as well. Uh, it is my absolute honor and privilege to have you on today. When you're back in Washington State, please let me know. I'd love to get back with you and have coffee. I know you love coffee. Uh, yeah, man. I want to thank you for sharing uh, this powerful, life-changing experience for men of all ages. 
And, and I just pray that God could continue blessing you and your family and your ministry. Men all over the world. Thank you so much for your time. And it's been an honor. Thank you, Jody. I appreciate it. And I bless God bless you too, brother. Thank and you. what you're trying to do with the podcast. Appreciate it. And we'll definitely be in touch. Thank you very much. You bet, man. Take care. This episode of Chit and Chat was brought to you by Veteran Roasters Coffee. Each purchase of Veteran Roasters Coffee helps employ one of tens of thousands of U.S. military veterans who have found hardship and difficulty upon transitioning home from service. They promise you the best beans from the best veteran-owned coffee company. Veterans helping veterans one cup at a time. Use the code CHITCHAT25 to receive 25% off your purchase at VeteranRoasters.com. Thank you.